Hey Logo Geeks, it's Ian Paget here and I'm back with another podcast that's created to help you make a living designing logos. On this week's show, I'm going to be discussing how you can build a reputation as a logo designer. But before we get into that, I want to thank the sponsor of this episode, The Perfect Match, a game where designers submit mood boards created using Adobe Stock Assets. And if your mood board design is chosen, you will be featured on Adobe's monthly live streaming game show with other talented designers, art directors, and creatives when a winner goes home with $1,000. It's totally free to participate and by simply submitting an entry, Adobe will give you a gift for your time. To learn more and to enter, visit theperfectmatch.co forward slash play. So it's been a few months since doing a solo episode, so I thought I'd sit down and share some thoughts on how you can get frequent logo design clients. And I feel a key part of this is to become known as the go-to person for logo design services. And To achieve this, I feel it requires you to build a reputation. Building a reputation as a logo designer is something I've actively worked really hard on. So today in this podcast, I'm going to share the approaches that I've taken so far to position myself as an expert on the topic of logo design. Uh, This includes social posting, blogging, podcasting, video content, awards and juries, and social proof. So in this podcast, I'm going to talk through each of these individually. Just before I move on to this, I want to stress that being good at what you do, providing a quality design service, creating a great portfolio and having solid case studies will all help towards building a reputation. So in this podcast, I'm going to focus on everything else aside from this. So let's start with social posting. So posting on social media is one form of marketing, but it will also help to position you as an expert too. So there's a long list of social platforms and to keep this content evergreen I'm not going to say any specific platform uh, but each one of them is set by its own set of rules and the key to success with any platform is consistency and since there's only so many hours in the day if you was to try and show up on every single platform frequently that's just not going to be feasible for most of us. So my approach has been to pick one and do it really well. That way I've been able to dedicate my time to learning everything there is to know about that one platform. Plus I have time and energy to post 
good content and to show up consistently too. So try to think of social media as a fire. If you try to light 10 different fires at once, you're most likely going to fail. Like once you've got one fire started, you hop to the next one, only to see that previous fire, you know, sort of dwindle back to smoke. But if you was to stop and dedicate all of your time and energy to that one fire, you're going to have a thriving, burning fire. And the beauty of this approach is that once you do have that fire burning, all you need to then do is just throw a log on it now and again. And that means that you'll have time to work on other stuff. And that's the same for social media. So once you have built a thriving community of dedicated followers on one platform, you'll be able to step away to build success on the second platform. And you'll only need to check back on the previous one just to keep that momentum going. So early in my journey, I put considerable energy into building a following on Twitter, which at the time was one of the most popular social platforms. As it's a microblogging platform, allowing only a limited number of characters, it was a really convenient platform to fit around a day job. I was able to post when it was convenient for me So, for example, in the morning when eating breakfast or uh, when I was waiting for the train or sat on the train or, and to be completely honest, when you're sat on the toilet, you know, you've got some dead time there, you can uh, post on social media. But I know you're probably going to be wondering, what should I post? So you can continually create content of your own, which is great if you're in that situation, but you don't need to. What I've done is to keep a list of good blogs and resources around logo design. And when it comes around to posting, I'll share that content, you know, mixed in with my own stuff too. Although that isn't my content, by continually sharing interesting and valuable information and news around my area of expertise, so logo design, I will become known for that even if I didn't create that content myself. But just by posting, it won't allow you to grow a quality audience. So it's important that you engage with others too. So if somebody sends you a message, make sure that you reply to them, Uh, go on social media, start discussions, get involved in conversations started by others. So the more people you interact with, the larger and more engaged your network will become and you will slowly establish a reputation for providing value. So whatever your chosen platform, and like I said, there are so many of them, there's always new ones coming up. Be sure to study and understand the ins and outs of that platform to make the very most of it. So the next thing on my list is blogging. Uh, Writing is one of the best ways to share your knowledge and to demonstrate that you know what you're talking about. But if writing isn't your strength, you might feel that you're not up to the task. And that's how I felt when I first started. So 
if that's you, I want to encourage you to still try. In school, in college, I struggled with my writing, so I needed that extra uh, support. And once I finished school, I, I did very little reading or writing. But when I started working at a web design agency, as it was a small company, we were encouraged to write blog posts. And since I was writing a little bit each day, I started to notice my writing skills slowly improving. So when I started my logo design business, I continued that trend of actively writing. And as I was writing about a topic that interested me, I actually started to enjoy it. So over the past 10 years or so, my writing abilities has improved so much that I've been able to start writing a book on my own, which is slowly getting finished. It's, it's nearly there. I used my blog initially as a way to document and share the lessons I was learning. And over time, I've also used it as a way to answer questions, to go behind the scenes of my design process and to share my journey as a graphic designer. You can also write for others too. This is what's called a guest post. And by contributing guest posts to other popular graphic design or business websites will also contribute to your uh, reputation as a designer. But there's also going to be search engine optimization benefits with that type of thing too. So as you actively write and share your knowledge, you'll become known for your writing and you'll build a reputation in the process. So the next on my list is hosting a podcast as I am here. So podcasting is another form of content creation, but rather than writing what you know, you say what you know instead. Unlike blogging where it's easy to hide behind the writing of others, with podcasting, people hear you. So they get to know you, they get to like you, and they get to trust you in the process. So this could be a solo show or you could potentially co-host it with another person or a couple of other people. Or you could do like what I've done and invite guests on to give more depth and perspective to your show in the way that I do. Um, or you could do a mix, which I also do, like I'm doing a solo episode now. But most of the time, as you know, if you're a frequent listener, I tend to have guests on to interview. So I started this podcast back in 2017. I can't believe it's been uh, that length of time. But I didn't actually do this to build reputation. Uh, the primary reason for starting it was to help build my confidence. But reputation has come as an incredible byproduct of these efforts. Growing up, I struggled with anxiety. So uh, I would really struggle with any form of public speaking, uh, even in small groups. So in school, I did all I could to avoid any form of public speaking. But as I got older, it became a problem because it was holding me back. Uh, I ended up seeking help for this and 
I spoke to a nurse who suggested maybe I have social anxiety disorder. And to help with that, she suggested I take uh, what's called talking therapy, where they did something called cognitive behavior therapy, which can help you to manage problems by challenging the way that you behave. So I can explain more about this, but I recommend doing a Google search. So in summary, it basically encourages you to face your fears. And for me, facing my fear of public speaking was podcasting. So even though I was in a room on my own, when I pressed that record button, it brought up all the fears and anxieties that I would face in any public uh, situation. But I could face this fear in a safe environment um, and I had control over that, how far I took it. So at first I did a, a few solo episodes, which are sadly no longer available. And then a few years later, I was a co-host on a friend show called Side Gig. Uh, then I decided to throw myself in at the deep end and start my own show. And that's how the Logo Geek podcast was born. I made loads of mistakes and fumbled over my words in those first few uh, interviews. But the beauty of audio is that you can cut out where you don't like and re-record yourself as many times as needed. And that's what I did. Uh, basically, as long as the final thing sounds good, that's all that matters. And as you do more, you get better as I have. Um, so it's taken me a fair few years, but now I feel very confident as a podcast host and I actually really enjoy doing this type of thing. So hopefully this has been inspiring for you. And I would say while my show has been successful and has brought me many personal benefits, including to help build a reputation, I do feel that to get the most out of a show and to differentiate from the sea of other design podcasts, I would recommend to create content that's targeted at your chosen audience. For example, if you want to target restaurant owners, you could create a series of episodes called Restaurant Branding Tips, where you discuss ways that design and branding can be used to improve the overall experience in a restaurant, to attract more customers and to increase profits. I think podcasting is a fantastic networking tool. So you could interview successful restaurant owners to go behind the scenes of their story. And as you have the chance to speak to them directly, they could eventually become a client because you're building that relationship with them. Podcasts can be released in seasons, made up of as many episodes as you want, or you could release an episode on a consistent dates such as weekly or monthly. My podcast started as seasons made up of 10 episodes and over time it's become a weekly show and that's thanks to the support of sponsors who have helped to fund the production of the show enabling me to dedicate the time to creating uh, valuable content for you. And on that note, before moving on to more tips and advice for reputation growth, I do want to make sure to give a shout out to the sponsor of this episode, 
the perfect match, a game show from Adobe. As designers, we're always pitching great ideas through visuals, but have you ever considered how well your design communicates the intended messages? Do your clients really understand the work that you're putting in front of them? Well, now is your chance to find out and you can test your skills by assembling a brand inspired mood board using Adobe stock assets. And if your mood board design is chosen, you will be featured on Adobe's monthly live streaming game show with other designers, art directors and creatives where the winner goes home with $1,000. It's totally free to participate And if you submit an entry, Adobe will give you a gift for your time. So by simply entering, you're always going to win something, which is pretty cool. To take part in that and to learn more, visit theperfectmatch.co forward slash play. So let's continue to talk about building a reputation as a logo designer. So the next on my list carries on partly from podcasting and that's to be interviewed. There are thousands of podcasts out there covering just about every interest you can possibly think of. Um, A lot of them also feature guests and are actively looking for interesting people to come on their show. I've personally made it my mission to get on as many shows as I can no matter what topic, no matter the number of people that listen. The main reason for this was to support the goal of building up my confidence, but it's also allowed me to speak directly to new audience who could potentially become followers or, more importantly, potentially clients too. Aside from the obvious networking benefits of doing this it can also contribute to your search engine optimization efforts too so most podcast hosts will create show notes for each episode and on this page they normally include links to your website and social media channels so even if nobody listens you at least get that backlink from their website which will help to contribute to your ongoing marketing efforts as well as growing your reputation. If, like me at first, you're not a confident speaker, being a guest on other podcasts can also be a way to gradually build up your confidence to start a show of your own. So if the opportunity does come up and you are invited on a show or you can, you know, put your foot in the door or offer to be on somebody else's show, go for it, try it, see what happens. It's totally worth it. I would highly recommend it. So the next on my list is video content. So video is hands down the easiest way to consume content. Written content needs to be read carefully for the information to be absorbed into your brain. And audio content requires you to focus, but it's ideal for situations where you're on the move and and can't do much else, um, such as driving or walking. Um, But it's less ideal when multitasking. Like I I find it hard to listen to a podcast and to, to write, for example. With video, though, you can just put it on, sit back, relax, 
watch and enjoy. And since you're able to make it so captivating, so with imagery along with audio, people are much more likely to focus their entire energy on that piece of content in that moment. So there's countless ways to share and watch video content. Pretty much every social media channel allows you to share video content in some form. And so there are ample opportunities to show your face and to provide value. I know video platforms like YouTube are search engines too. So if you create helpful content, people will search and they will find your content and consume it. So if you dare to get on camera, it's an opportunity for people to get to know you, like you and trust you. It's the perfect way to build a reputation. But if you're a bit of an introvert like me, video is absolutely terrifying. (laughs) At the moment, getting on camera is still slightly terrifying for me. I don't feel comfortable on camera, so I haven't yet leveraged this to its full potential. But that's not to say I don't try. I push myself to do the occasional Instagram live. Um, I've also been a guest on a few video podcasts. And uh, in general, if I'm invited to contribute to something that requires me to be on camera, I still do it even though it scares me. I see the immense value in video content. So I'm going to continue to throw myself into situations outside my comfort zone. And I want to encourage you to do the same thing too. So the next thing on my list is awards and juries. If you win just one award, just one, you can forever call yourself an award-winning graphic designer. This not only makes you feel good, but it sounds impressive to potential clients too. There are several credible industry awards out there, and I've been fortunate enough to have won a couple of them. For example, gold in the International Visual Identity Awards, and I've also had work featured in the Logo Lounge book several times. Uh, I know that's not a lot in comparison to some designers I know, um, but it's never really been a priority for me to win awards because like I said, once you've won one, which I have, I can forever tell people that I am an award-winning logo designer. But I do want to say that you need to be aware that most of these awards are businesses that profit off the back of designers' need for gratification. And there becomes a point where it's more about vanity. Although I'm sure that some of the bigger awards out there will attract clients. So I I do appreciate the value of them. Most of us work in isolation. So understandably, we want to hear that our designs are the best of the best. But most of the time, It's money in someone else's pocket. This is why I aim to be on the jury instead, because this looks just as impressive as winning an award, but it also positions you as an industry leader too. So this is something I do freely and thoroughly enjoy. And in most cases, 
I've been invited to this um uh, but in some cases I have also volunteered as well so if you see an opening there to be a judge on an industry uh, awards reach out contact them see if they might be interested in having you on their jury if you don't ask you don't get I believe I've been selected for juries because I've built a reasonably large following on social media because part of the agreement often requires me to write a post about the awards um, so it's going to be free publicity for them but I get value out of this so in this sort of case it's mutually beneficial so my point is if you build reputation and you get known as an industry leader you're more likely to be able to get on the jury for graphic design awards so it's worth pushing so the next thing on my list is qualification and certifications so if you have a degree or certification make sure that you mention this on your website this will help you to demonstrate your knowledge and will provide an additional layer of trust I personally don't have a formal design education but I do have plenty of experience working within design teams uh, which can help towards that credibility just as much so in my content on my website I'll mention my prior experience and name drop any well-known companies that I've designed for whilst in those positions and even though I don't have a degree I do actively work to earn certifications uh, in areas relevant to logo design and branding one of those for example is level c uh, which is something from marty neymar so after attending them i'll mention them on my website on any telephone calls or any sales process just to add to my reputation the next thing is social proof if you're buying a new computer how do you decide which is the best one most of us is going to read reviews or you may ask a friend and it's the actions and attitudes of the people around you that will influence your choice and that's known as social proof and that's something that we can leverage as designers so imagine if a client was choosing between two graphic designers they both have equally strong portfolios one displays only a portfolio and the other one mentions that they've won awards they've been featured in reputable uh, publications they have hundreds of reviews thousands of social media follows which of those two are you going to choose which one of those two are you going to trust uh, which one of those two do you think will provide the most value there may be no difference between the quality of service and the knowledge of those two graphic designers but there's immediate perceived trust gain from social proof that's why I made it an intentional part of my strategy and why I recommend that you do the same we've already discussed a lot of things that will impact social proof such as growing a large following uh, winning awards 
being on design juries, being on podcasts or gaining certifications, but there's more than this. You could get mentioned or featured in books and magazines or in articles on high profile websites such as Forbes and Entrepreneurial Magazine. As an easy way to get featured in a logo book, join Logo Lounge. Every year they select the best from the designs uploaded and include them in a book. And I've been fortunate uh, that my work's been featured in a few of those and I've been on the jury too. I've also been lucky enough to be featured in magazines And this has come as a result of actively posting on Twitter. By posting and engaging on social media, your following will grow and people in your industry will be drawn towards you. So when writers need an expert to contribute to a feature, they'll probably reach out to you because you're easy to find. This is how I got featured in .NET magazine. This is how I got featured in Photoshop Creative, how I got featured in 99U and how I contributed to articles on Creative Block. I've also been lucky enough to have been featured on Forbes and Entrepreneur and Adweek. Um, The Adweek mention was thanks to a guest I interviewed on my podcast. They needed opinions on several logos. And as I was one of the people in that person's network who had a knowledge of logo design, I was invited to contribute. Both the Forbes and entrepreneurial features were thanks to a fellow freelance writer who contributes to a large number of websites. And he often needs tips and opinions for his articles. And as I become part of his trusted network of experts, he invites me on. So that's why networking is so powerful. And being a podcast host and posting on social media and connecting with people on social media is all part of that networking. It all goes together. It's ultimately your reputation that will provide trust. And it's this that will determine the quality of the leads that that you attract, the volume of leads you convert, and the price that you can charge. This is why I continue to work on building my reputation as a designer and why you should too. So I hope you found this episode useful. If you have other ideas of your own for growing a reputation, please discuss them in the Logo Geek community on Facebook. Alternatively, if you want to chat about this with me and a small group of other like-minded designers on Zoom calls every couple of weeks, send me a message and I'll let you know more about the Logo Geek Plus community. So that's it for this week. Thank you so much for listening and I'll be back the same time next week for another exciting episode of the Logo Geek Podcast.